Today is October 22nd, 2017. The title of today's sermon is No Victims Here. There are no victims here. Not one person in this room is going to be a victim, is a victim, shall ever be a victim because the Lord is with us. Amen. Turn to Romans chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 37. Say there when you are there. We have had an incredible time the last few weeks hearing about how to walk in God's covenant, hearing and learning how to understand the death benefits of there, learning a, a jarhead covenant. Can you hold that up, Gabriel? Looks like I have, we have some gifts that were being handed out by folks today. A jar where you can place your names in the jar that we spoke about. Man, th this is incredible church. This is an incredible place. They're even giving you what you need to accomplish what God has already told you to do. Amen? You can put those down. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, it says this. Is everybody there with me? Yeah. I'm not going to rely on just the screens today, right? You got your word of God, the sword in your hand, learning how to use it, right? No, in all these things. Everybody say all these things. We are more than conquerors. I love this phrase. We are more than conquerors. Damien, we are more than conquerors. That doesn't mean that we just get to win. We just get to barely scrape by. We are more than conquerors. Everybody say, we are more than conquerors. Y'all going to have to help me out today. Y'all can't just sit there and look at me. You're going to have to be with me today. Say, Pastor, we're with you. Say, we are more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us. Wow. Come on now. There's a little bit of a revelation for you. You don't even have to rely on your own strength to be more than a conqueror. We're going to do it through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life. Wow. That escalated quickly, didn't it? We went all the way to the, to the whole to the end of this matter. Neither death nor life, nor angels, nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on. We, again, man, we, we're done. Praise God. We'll close up because that is enough for us to chew on. But we're not quite done yet. So uh, let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. We're going to start in verse 47. 28, 47. Because I want to show you a few things. The Bible teaches us that this is the day that the Lord has made. And the way I learned the verse when I was growing up was, and I will rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. That's the way I learned it. There was a song and that's how we sang it. You know what I looked in the Word today in Psalm 118? You know what it says? It says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. Wow. It kind of shifted on me. I, I've, I've, I thought I knew this my whole life and I actually looked at it so that I would quote it correctly to you. And what the Word of God says, this is the day the Lord has made. I, let us rejoice and be glad in it. Are you glad today to enter the house of the Lord? Yes. Come on, because if you're not, if you've entered this place and you've allowed your worries to just kind of uh, bum you out, you got in just kind of a funky mood. Anybody ever been in a funky mood? Anybody ever, ever been driving down the road? You don't even know why. You're just like, just, just angry, just, just unsettled in your spirit. Yeah, today is not going to be one of those days. And as a matter of fact, after the time we get done here today, you're going to learn and not have any more of those days in the future. Wait, 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 wait. Come on, Pastor. That was, that was a lot to say. You know why? Because you get to choose. 
if we are more than conquerors, everybody say it with me, we are more than conquerors. If you're more than a conqueror, you know what that means? That you can walk in a victorious way and have the full joy of the Lord upon you. Let us rejoice. I don't get to do this just by myself. That would be good enough for me. I'd, I'd be pretty excited if I got to rejoice. But he says, let us rejoice. I want every person in this room to be rejoicing by the time we get done with today. I don't care what difficulties you've been under. I don't care how, how, how strained and stressed you've been. We're going to get to feel the joy of the Lord today. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, this is an important concept. Look at verse 47. Are you there with me? Deuteronomy 28, 47. It says this, Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Well, let's just hold up for just a second. Well, I serve the Lord. Bless God, I'm just going to endure till the end. Boy, man, there's something to be said about perseverance, but how are you doing along the way? When the word of the Lord says, Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully, Gladly. Anybody ever tell your child to do something and they, you had obedience but you didn't have joy along with the obedience? Anybody ever? Anybody ever have a spouse ask you to do something? <clears throat> I have to be honest with you. I've even wanted to do something. And I was about to do it but my wife asked me to do it and it took all the joy out. I was like... Gosh darn it, now you're going to think I, I was actually going to do that for you. Had you just had enough faith in me for ten more seconds, it would have already been done. Did you take out the trash? Oh, I was almost there. It stole my joy. I allowed something so ridiculous to steal my joy. Let's go back and look at this. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. Oh, well, see there, Pastor, that's why this doesn't apply to me. By the way, you guys know this. As pastors, we're, we're just going to, I'm, I'm going to invoke a new policy, pastor. Next time one of you tells me how the scripture doesn't relate to you, just punching you right in the throat. This, you're just. <laughs> Who wants to meet this week? <laughs> Why? Because I don't want to hear anymore about how the scripture doesn't relate to you in your situation. How somehow that this joyful thing we're supposed to have relates to everybody else, but if you knew how difficult it was on my job site, yeah, I'm just going to, boom. Just a little quick knife hand to the throat. It'll be all right. Because it says in the time of prosperity. You know what 1 Timothy 6, 8 says? If we have food and clothing, we're to be content with that. Amen. Everyone in here has food and clothing. Some of us have so much clothing. I'll go with the clothing. I'm not, not going to mess with the food right now. We have so much clothing, we need storage units to help carry, to help hold our extra stuff. We have a summer and a winter wardrobe. We don't, our closets, we don't even think about closets being big enough for our clothes. We have to, our closet is big enough if it can hold our summer wardrobe. And then we change it out, completely empty it out and put in a whole new wardrobe. Because we know how vicious the winters are here in Houston. God, just get decimated by the cold. That one day that will drop below 32 degrees, man, we are ready. Come on, ladies. You know you got your boots that you pull out the second it gets into the 70s, right? Oh, dang. You didn't know I knew that kind of stuff, did you? It's all right. Because you did not serve the Lord your God joyfully and gladly in the time of prosperity. 
Therefore, in hunger and thirst, in nakedness and dire poverty, you will serve the enemies the Lord sends against you. He will put an iron yoke on your neck until he has destroyed you. What in the world? You mean the Lord is asking for more than just obedience from us, but we have to have the right attitude while we're doing this? He cares about not only the actions that our hand perform, but he cares about the attitude of our hearts? Come on. What an incredible thing for us to think about. Do you see how God disdains a lack of joy? Did you hear the word I used? He disdains a lack of joy. I hope you're quiet because you're thinking. I hope you're quiet because you're remembering that, that drive to work the other day when you were anything but joyful. The fact that God gave you a job. The fact that you have something to bring provision home to your family and you're lamenting it. The fact that you're in a vehicle that will get you to work. Regardless of what it looks like or what it sounds like getting you there. Do you have a disdainful attitude towards the Lord because you never have joy? Can you think of somebody who just has just exceeding joy in how they live? There are some of you in here. When I see Chris Riosora, I just want to smile. I'm like, hey, Chris, how's it going? It could be going terribly, by the way. And he's like, amen. I'm like... Yes! And I know what he doesn't say anything after that. Sometimes that's all he can get out is an amen, but he's going to be joyful about it. How about you? How are we doing in this? Or do we get joy until it's just we decide we don't have any joy anymore? Uh, when I was a band director a long time ago, we took, I took a group of kids to Disney World. We took, I had like 75 people with me in Disney World. I'm responsible for 75 people. I brought my wife, I brought Gabriel and Olivia. They were tiny little things. I think Gabe was maybe four or five. I'm going to set him at age four. We are there in Disney World, the self-proclaimed happiest place on earth. We are riding rides. We're, we're experiencing things. We're eating all the little uh, ear-shaped ice cream that you, can, that you can stuff in your mouth. And we got into a shop, one particular shop on one fateful day in Disney World. And my son, Gabriel, who is a joy and a pleasure at this point in his life, was not so joyful and pleasure-filled at this moment. Because the little uh, a sorcerer's apprentice cap, the little pointy one with the stars on it, he wanted the sorcerer's apprentice hat. I'm a poor school teacher. The only way I can get to Disney World is, is get a group of 75 people and have them pay like $5 extra and I can get there. Like, this is how this is working. I'm the band director, man. I was like, uh, yeah, you guys are going to pay $5 a piece and I'm going to get to go. I, I made it happen. The hat was like, I don't know, you know, something ridiculous. 75 bucks. I don't even remember. This was like 100 years ago. And he, wanted, he decided that it didn't matter that he was in the greatest place that a kid could ever be in. All the joy that you could want, it was there. And he decided, if I don't get this, then nothing else matters. He kicked, he screamed, he laid on the floor, pouted. <laughs> I beat him like a yard dog. <laughs> I did. He needed it. Have you ever kicked and screamed and you're in the middle of the, one of the most blessing, blessed areas that you could possibly be in and you're focusing on something that you think you need in the moment? It's easy, it's easy to laugh at when talking about Gabe, right? 
He's so much more mature now. This, this would never happen. Or would it? Because I know it can happen in my life where I get fixated on something I think I need. And it steals my joy. Have you ever had a date night? A date night. Okay, if you're married, if you're, you know, got a date night scheduled. Come on, man. You've been, you've been working on this for a while. You got a date night planned. We had one of those the other day. We were going to we're going to take off and get away for one evening. We're just going to go. We're going to go to Austin and spend one night in Austin. That's all we wanted. Just, just one night. And then I hurt my back. I literally couldn't walk. We had to cancel it. Man, that's a bummer, isn't it? How, how about the ones where nobody's injured? How about the ones where you got a date night going and you just get so stinking mad at each other during the date? There's one person that I happen to know about here in this room, here in this room, and I just won't say who it is, but you'll have to find out people who were trying to celebrate and, and talk to each other and, and enjoy, um, you know, get ready for a date night. They got so mad at each other, they threw their unity candle at each other. That's a bad date night. That's terrible. And it's hilarious because it happens to somebody else. How about one? Anybody ever had a fight on the way to church? Come on. Anybody had a fight this morning on the way to church? <laughs> Come on, this is for real, isn't it? What happens, man? We get in these cases and it is so easy for us not to serve the Lord with, Lord with joy. It's so easy for us to lose our joy. Man, I know that I've lost joy along the way. Because what happens when you lose your joy in serving the Lord? Then what do you do? Then you've got a bad attitude. Your, your fists are clenched. The Lord is telling you to do something. I'm going to do it because He's the God of all creation. But I'm not going to like it. We become petulant children, don't we? I've got it. I've got it. I mean, <laughs> I mean he's, he's the Lord. I mean, I have to do what He says, right? Yeah, he's after more than you just doing what he says. He cares about the attitude of the heart. How can he get to an entire group of people and say, yeah, sacrifices and offerings were not what I desire. Um, you told us to do that. Yeah, he, I'm after your heart in the matter. Come on now. Do you have joy today? Yes. So here, here's what I want us to focus on. Um, in music... This comes throughout history. There's something that's called a call and response. Okay? So I'm going to say something, and every time I say this phrase, I want you to, to, to respond back to me. I'm going to say, there are no victims here. There are no victims here. And then what you're going to say is we are more than conquerors. So I'm going to give you a call, and you're going to respond. Is everybody with me? Yes. You all ready? You've got, you got to have to open up your mouths. You've got to, everybody in the room, everybody. And, and don't make me do this because I will walk around and I will sit by you and put a microphone in your mouth until you answer. Everybody. I'm trying to make contact with everybody. Everybody. Everybody up in this place. There are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. There are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. Susie, I need you to be louder than that. You're sweet. You are beautiful. You are awesome. Susie, she, she was, I know it's English, right? 
It's okay. She'll just say it in Spanish then. I don't even care. <laughs> there are no victims here. Come on, do you believe that today? Because yes. it's important that we believe it. Because if you believe it, you're going to live like it. Amen? Amen. Let's take a look. <clears throat> Man, because I don't want to be a petulant child when I'm serving the Lord. The last thing that we want to do is act like a victim. Well, I can't serve the Lord. Why? Because somebody else stole your joy? They don't have that right. You're not a victim. You allowed your joy to get away, so you just keep it. Amen? Because there are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. See, y'all, y'all, first time after, right? <laughs> Call and response, friends. Here we go. Now that you're ready for it, I'm going to say it again. This has got to get down in our soul, because if it does, it's going to change you, I promise. Because there are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. Come on, Susie, say it in Spanish. I love it. I love it. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. Man, we got to have joy so that we can do this right. We are overcomers in Christ. Look at Matthew 21 and let's start in verse 31. Here's the problem with the sermon like today. We're going to be reading about all kinds of other people, but you're going to realize how much this relates to you and to me. That's the problem and the beauty of this kind of a sermon. Look in verse chapter 21 of Matthew and we're going to start in verse 31. Are you there? They, uh, the first answer, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. You like getting people ahead of you? You know, it's, speaking of uh, theme parks, you can even buy an extra pass to get at the front of the line so people don't have to get ahead of you. It's a fast pass. You, know, you can even do that through your... Global entry at airports. You basically get a grown-up fast pass to go through the customs office. You know, we, all, we have HOV lanes. Why? Because we don't want to stay where all those people are. We want to go ahead and get around people. I tell you the truth. The tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. Wow. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe. It's not that your heart was turned. You just got mad that someone was in front of you. You got mad that someone was promoted before you were. I mean, that's never happened to me on a job ever. I've never looked at anyone and be like, really, that dude got promoted? Seriously. I can't, I mean, it's, it's not possible that I'm not at least five times smarter than that guy. He's like a box of rocks with pants on. What is going on? <laughs> Let's look down at verse 45. It continues to go on. Jesus speaks to them about the parable of the tenants in the vineyard, the unfaithful tenants. Look in verse 45. When the chief priests and the Pharisees heard Jesus' parables, they knew he was talking about them. Well, la di da. Glad you caught on there, fellas. They looked for a way to arrest him, but they were afraid of the crowd because the people held that he was a prophet. Great, Pastor, this is about prostitutes and, and tax collectors coming in. How about when somebody's here at the church and they're here, I don't know, a year, 
and you've been here for, I don't know, 10 years, and they seem to get all the, the love and the press from the stage, from the pastors. We don't like people getting in front of us, do we? Yeah, y'all are real quiet because you don't want to say anything. I get it. I get it. I'm going to make you talk to me again in a second. I'm, okay. I'm going to let you be quiet for just a second. You look at somebody and you're like, why do there seem to be such favor on them and not us? Man, our, our pastors are, man, our pastors have a problem with lack of loyalty. Oh, okay. We can go that direction. You can be wrong and go that direction all you like. Because the problem is, is that you're walking in a victim mentality. Huh. There are no victims here. We are conquerors. If you walk around in a victim mentality, you will never achieve what God has for you. Yeah, I'm just letting it sit for a second. Because I can feel it working into some of your souls. How about the angels? You ever thought about it from the perspective of an angel? Bigger, stronger, faster, smarter, and they have to serve us? <laughs> what if, if you're going to get mad at somebody getting in front of you, wouldn't that be a good group of people? Wouldn't that be a good group of, of creation to be that way? That's not how this is supposed to work. You can't look at these things. The angels are longing to look into the things that we get to do as believers in Christ. And they have a subservient role. Huh. Must not be about who gets to go first, but who gets to enter in. Amen? Amen. Let's look at Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. <clears throat> this is the parable. We call it the prodigal son. Prodigal of the lost, or the parable of the lost son. Let's look at verse 28. You guys know the story. I want to skip ahead in this story and take a look at the older brother. Verse 28. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. Everybody say, he refused. He refused. You ever refused to go into something? You ever been around here and there was a Bible study and you just refused to go in because you just didn't like something? ever needed to come over to our house and we invited you for fellowship and you just decided not to come. You refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Man, what a gracious father. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yeah, let's be careful our long list of greatness that we want to throw at somebody in these moments. Do you know what I've done for you? We get in trouble when we start listing those things, don't we? Because why, why? Because it shows that our heart hasn't been doing them for the right reasons, maybe? Or at least now we want to call. I want, I want you to know what I've done for you. You've ne I've never disobeyed your orders. I, I don't even know if that's true. It's just a parable. Even if you give them the benefit of the doubt. What I've learned as a pastor is the ones who most say that probably been the least... They're, they've been least faithful, but we'll even skip. I'll even give you the benefit of the doubt. Pastor, I've never let you down. Great, I'll even give it to you. Let's give you the freebie. Why are you making the list of what you've done and accomplished? 
because you're about to show me how you're a victim. That's what you're about to do. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends because all of my greatness deserved a lot more than what you gave me. Really? But when this son of yours, wow, not my brother, when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Come on now. Anybody ever had a problem with this? And Let's be real with each other. This is family. I'm not up here performing for you. I'm trying to make sure that you don't live like a victim because there are no victims here. We are there are no victims here. You better be careful when you start listening to what you've done, all the things that you deserve. You know what? That's not how I want to live my life. Let me tell you all the things that I deserve. No. Because when I don't get what I think I deserve, what does it automatically do? You've mistreated me. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, no one has seen the greatness of me yet in this place. You, you, you don't appreciate. Yeah, you better stop your victimized thinking. It's making a trap for you. It's stealing your joy. It's putting you in a place where you're acting anything but more than a conqueror. Look at verse 31. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. Wow. Everything he has is yours, ladies and gentlemen. Everything he has is yours. Why are you complaining again? Because it's easier to stay a victim than it is to, for us to grow up and actually act and be the overcoming conquerors that he's made us to be. Listen, listen to verse 32. I, I've read this story thousands of times in my life and I, and I learned something this morning and I want to share it with you. Are you ready? Verse 32. But we had to celebrate. I've read this so many times. This is the father speaking to the eldest son. We had to celebrate. We had to be full of joy. You had to celebrate. Not only did we have to celebrate, not only did we have to throw a party, but we had to be glad in our hearts. We had to have joy down on the inside of us. Because this brother of yours was dead. You're talking to me about what you deserve. It's all been yours anyway. This guy, my son, your brother, let me remind you, he's your brother. He was dead to us. And now he's been made alive. How can you not rejoice? How can you not? We had to celebrate. You know why? Because this father understood that there are no victims in this place. We are more than conquerors. There are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. Problem is that victims always focus on what they lack. Never on what they have. You can be in Disney World and require the one hat to make you happy. You can be in a church like this and still be focusing on the lack of what you don't possess. The job promotion, the amount of money in your bank account, whatever it is that you think you're going for, don't be a victim. Don't be a victim. Let's take a look at Genesis chapter 4. We had to celebrate. Genesis chapter 4. Y'all still love me? Yes. All right. Genesis 4. Verse 2. 
Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. Wow. Get angry. Why? At someone else's favor. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? My favorite is when you talk to people and you see that they are clearly angry and they will go into a song and dance to tell you how they're not angry. I'm not angry. I'm, not, I'm just not angry. I'm not angry. Really? The way you said that 17 times in a row makes me think you're a little bit upset. The Lord says it to Cain. Then the Lord said, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? If you obey with a joyful spirit, won't the Lord of all creation be on your side? Won't He move on your behalf in every possible way? And if something doesn't happen the way you think it ought, you're not a victim. He's simply just working something out for your good in a different way. Well, that's a different way to think, isn't it? I looked over at Daniel. Man, Daniel is working hard right now. Our guys in that, in that business are working hard. There's a problem though, isn't there? If you work real hard, you start getting stressed out because you're working hard. In a sales job, once it gets slow, what happens? You start stressing out because there's not, you're not working hard. You're a victim either way. What's going on here? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. What murderous sin is crouching at the door? Did you hear me? What murderous sin crouches at your door? Because we know in, in the next verses, he just he literally commits murder in the next verse. Isn't it this victim mentality? Yeah. Every, have you ever had the thought, man, this is just unfair. There's something about this, this is unfair. Yeah, you know what? That's showing that you're a victim. But there are no victims here. There are no victims here. There are no victims here. You need to let this get down in your spirit and start realizing it's more than just a call and response. It's the call from heaven that says that there are no victims here and that you are supposed to respond and say, we are more than conquerors. That is supposed to be something that wells up within us because you know why? If you don't, you start showing signs that are just victim mentality, just like Cain. You become selfish. You become jealous. You become envious. Read Galatians 5 and find out that those are works of the flesh. Read Philippians 2 and realize that this is not the way we're supposed to look at one another. Look at these things and understand what is going on here. What spirit are you operating in? Do you have a pharisaical nature? Like the first passage that we read? Where even the prostitutes and tax collectors are entering in before you. Do you have an older brother mentality? Yeah, this is... I've been here longer. I deserve more. I'm a little miffed at other people. Do you operate in the way of Cain? God, what is crouching before us today? We see in both the Older and the Newer Testament. We just spent time in the, in the books of the law, Older and Newer Testament. It's supposed to be inclining our heart. Man, it is time for us to master the whispers that go on inside of us. 
those thoughts that reverberate within our soul, it is time for us to master every one of them. You know why? Because there are no victims here. There are no victims here. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians 10 and look in verse 4. Folks, this is in the midst of a church that I think is an excellent church. But you know what I know? I know that there are thoughts that are trying to victimize members of us in here. And it just maybe it hits you in a different way than it hits me. But it's still trying to get me to be less than a conqueror, not more than a conqueror. We're going to have victory today. Amen? Amen? Verse 4, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power. What kind of weapons do you have? You have weapons with divine power. That should have been your answer, by the way. What kind of weapons do you have? Ones with divine power. You don't need bullets. You don't need to sharpen it like a blade. You need to make sure that you're utilizing the divine power weapons that He's given you to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Isn't that what we're trying to do today? We want to demolish every little thought that you have that keeps coming back, that keeps staying there, like a buzzing fly that just gets right in your ear and stays there and won't go away. Pretty soon, if you're not careful, you just let it stay. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Come on, stay with me. 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's look at verse 3. 2 Peter 1, 3 says this, His divine power... Uh Uh-oh, there it is again. The divine power that enables our weaponry, we know that it comes from Him. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and... By His own glory and... It's one thing to have glory, isn't it? Well, that's amazing. And He's got goodness that He showers upon us. He wants our obedience and He also wants us to do it with joy. Through these He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. What is the divine nature? It means you look and act just like Him. It means you're obedient and you're joyful. It means you can face the most difficult circumstances and you stand there and you allow joy to bubble forth from your heart. Because you're not going to let the circumstances around you dictate what this is. It's almost like you have the fruit of the Spirit that begins to operate in your life. Love. Love and... Oh, huh. Oh, the greatest of these is love. This is true. Running a close second must be joy. Peace, patience, kindness, on and on it goes. But you know what? You start off and you're like, man, this is what my life should be. I should have such a great love for the Father and such a great love for the body that I do this and I'm going to do it with joy. I'm going to make sure that I do it with joy. You know why? Because there is nothing that that I fail to possess. There is nothing that I lack. My God, if we could get this today, if we could get this today, y'all got to help me out. I feel like the message is much better than me. But you know what? This is not a performance. Y'all are going to be with me. 
We've got to do this. If we can get rid of this lack mentality, of this victimized thinking that keeps us somewhere else other than walking in what he's given us. My God, what would your life look like if you did this daily? What would your life look like if you did this on a weekly basis? Man, this is not for the elite few, but this is for every single one of us in here. <laughs> the truth is, is this whole group could be called the elite few. So you're in it. This is what we have to do. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter, eight, uh, chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. He don't have lack. He's given us everything we need. <laughs> yeah, if we would just believe it and live like it, this would, this would revolutionize people in this room. This would revolutionize how you live. You'd quit fighting with your spouse as much because you wouldn't fight over the finances. You know why? Because you realize that God has got you in the palm of His hand. When you fully dedicate yourself to Him, there is nothing that can happen to you. <laughs> Save it be for the, your own good. Everything works for the good to those who love Him and are called according to, to His purpose. Everything. Wow. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. But as surely as God is faithful. Wow, that's a pretty sure thing, isn't it? Amen. Our message to you is not yes and no. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by me and Silas and Timothy, was not yes and no. But in Him. Everybody say, in Him. Amen. It has always been yes. It's always been yes. The answer is yes. Is God a good... Yes. Is He going to help? Yes. Just don't be a victim. If His answer is yes to you, come on. And so through Him the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set His seal of ownership on us, and put His Spirit in our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. If John 3 tells us that Jesus Christ will give the Spirit without limit. How many of you have the Spirit without limit today? Yeah, some of you are like, nah. oh yeah, I actually do, don't I? He'll give it to you without limit. Why do you limit Him? Because it's easier to be the victim than it is to be more than conquerors. But you know what I know? There are no victims here. We are more than yeah. Let's take a look at Habakkuk. I want everybody to turn to Habakkuk chapter 3. <clears throat> chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 16. It says this, Habakkuk 3 and verse 16. I'm going to let you find it because Habakkuk is tucked away, right? It says this, I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. When was the last time you felt like this? We all understand what this feels like, doesn't it? Golly, Lord, I'm working hard. I don't know how... <sighs> One more approval. 
to start our business, right, Chris? One more letter, one more person to have to sign a sheet of paper that should have been done a year ago. One more. Lord, one more time around this. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, what does it say? Yet. yet. Everybody say yet. yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. Amen. Are you with me? Yes. Don't you get upset when, when something happens in your own bank account? We, we start, we, our knees start trembling way too soon. Though all these things are happening, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. Can you rejoice in the Lord? Can you count it pure joy no matter what the circumstances are? Yes, Pastor, we want to. But the truth is, is when we get into our daily life, we don't always succeed at that as much as we want to. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to learn how to do this. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Do you understand the context? This is without the right things happening around you. It didn't matter that the resources weren't there. We have a person here who's understanding, you know what? Man, it's very difficult right now. I, I don't know where the next rent payment is going to come from. Praise God, I get to rejoice in the Lord that He will come through for me. Amen. That I can trust in Him. Though He slay me, yet will I praise Him. I am going to do this because this is the right way to be. I will be joyful. This has not been forced on me. I gladly take this and I walk in it. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. Yeah, the only way that you can rejoice is to understand the Sovereign Lord is your strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer, sure-footed. He enables me to go on the heights. <laughs> you know what you're not usually, most of us aren't usually thinking about when there's no sheep in the pen, no food in the fields? You're not usually thinking about ascending to the heights of greatness, are you? But you should be. But you can be. Are you any less gifted did he take away some of those things where he said, I've given you everything you need for life and godliness? Does he remove them based on how many dollars are in your bank account? Does he remove you based on how much your boss likes you or don't like you? Huh. No lack in the natural can overcome the abundance that you have in the spiritual. No lack in the natural can overcome the abundance that you have in the spirit. Look, let's, let's, not be, uh, let's not have a victim mentality. We're going to, in Jesus' name, not allow that in our midst. Because there are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. There are no victims here. We are more than conquerors. We live in the most prosperous nation at the most prosperous time in the fulfillment of the ages. How dare we think that there's anything but His overcoming, conquering spirit within us. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Let's look at verse 18. It says this, Come now, let us reason together. The word there for reason. Argue, convince each other. Convict each other. To bring a point, a point of clarification on a moral standing. We're going we're gonna to clarify some things. Let's reason together. You ready? Says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. 
if you are willing and obedient. Everybody say, willing and obedient. You will eat the best from the land. If we think about it, sometimes we only make it about the obedience. I'm telling you today, we've got to think about the willingness to do it. You've got to think about having the joy. You know what the word there for willing is? It's, he, it's in the Hebrew number 14. The word is Abba. A-B-A-H. It's the word for father plus a hey on the end. When you have a revelation of who the Father is, you know what it does? It causes in your heart a willingness to move forward. Amen. We understand the benefits that we're not supposed to forget those things, that it, it causes you to want to be willing and obedient. By the way, the word for obedient there is Shema. You're going to Abba and Shema. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say Abba and Shema. Abba and Shema. <laughs> This is what we are supposed to be doing. In Proverbs 13, 25, it says, The righteous eat to their heart's content, but the stomach of the wicked goes hungry. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging for bread. This is the kind of God that we serve if you are willing and obedient. If you will just settle into being willing and obedient, because what happens if you resist and rebel? That's the opposite. Willing and obedient? The next verse says, If you resist and rebel you will be devoured by the sword. You're going to be devoured by the things that you've been afraid of anyway. There's your options. You can resist and rebel what God is doing in you, or you can be willing and obedient and watch Him move. Turn to Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Philippians 2, 12. It says this, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed... So he's speaking to someone who people who are obedient, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's talking to the people who are obedient. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to His good purpose. He wants you to be able to do and to even have the heart's desire to do what He's put in you. It's important to God what our heart is in this. Turn to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. And they sang a new song. Everybody say new song. new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them. The people who have been willing and obedient, you've made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Is this not the same thought that's echoed through this? When we understand that we will rule and reign with Him, we should be willing and obedient because there are no victims here. There are no victims here. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. Let's look at verse 16. Matthew 28, 16. It says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. So who do you have involved in this story? You have the eleven disciples. Man, pretty elite group 
And where are they going? They're going exactly where Jesus told them to go. Praise God. When they saw Jesus, when they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. Wait a minute. You mean God's people, called by Him, walking in obedience, they still had some doubts? You ever had any doubts? This is a message that's going to actually challenge your doubts, isn't it? Because I can get you repeating a phrase to me, but unless you allow this to sink into your soul, you're still going to have doubts the next time that some difficulty comes. You know why? Because that's the way that we've done it for most of our lives, isn't it? We have, we have problems believing that the Lord has actually called us. I mean, we know that He's got it out there, but, but we really don't. I just don't understand where I fit into this body. Doubt. You fit into this body exactly as the Lord has purposed you to. Of course you've had doubts. So have I. We let our doubts overwhelm us. We let our doubts keep us from being the overcoming conquerors that He's claimed and told us that we are. I think of uh, Brother Ahmad Killian from, from King's Harvest Church. Brother Ahmad, if you, uh, when you get to listen to this, I think you're normally um, listen to our sermons. I just want to tell you how much our church loves you. How much we appreciate you, brother. And this guy who's got certain limitations that are apparent to the natural eye. But what you may not know is how faithful he is. How joyful he is. How much he texts friends, even at this church, and sends scriptures throughout the day, every day. Every day. Brother who's not even a part of this church will send text messages to us. Wow. What limitations are you allowing to conquer you? In what ways are you allowing this victim mentality just to stay on you? You know, there's, there's a passage in Luke 14. There's a great banquet. And he starts inviting people. And what happens? Yeah, they start making excuses of why they're not supposed to come. What excuses are you making today? They don't like me. I don't really know my calling. I don't know my place. Stop. Stop. What we don't need here is a group of victims. You might come in here injured when you first get here. We understand. We, we want God to work in your life. We're going to look at one life at a time and develop that and watch that one life turn into one family and send you to the nations. That is what God has put this church on the planet to do. But we can't transform you into one family and launch you out to the nations if you still think of yourself as a victim. If you still have excuses that just, as many scriptures as you can quote, you just think your excuses are just better than the Word of God. I can't do this. Well, I mean, I know, I mean, God's got people to do this. Yeah, He's got you to do that because you're here. We can't be victims here. There are no victims here. We are more conquerors. Man, there's always room for conquerors. There's always room for more conquerors. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm getting close to wrapping up here. We're at about 50 minutes, I believe, on this sermon. My goal is within the next 10 minutes we're going to be done. Because if you can't walk away with the point of this sermon, then I'm not quite sure what else to do. (laughs) 
don't know that I can do any more to help you figure out what the one point of this sermon is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 21 here in just a second. You know, I was thinking about uh, Peyton. Don't y'all love Peyton? Yeah, Peyton and Hannah and River are some of the most precious people. Peyton works in the medical field. Did I, did I embarrass you enough, Hannah? Okay, okay, you're good. Okay, good. Then I'll keep trying. <laughs> Peyton works in, in, in the medical field. He, he's involved in surgeries all day. I think he said on an easy day, it's about 20 surgeries that he's in and out of. On a busy day, it's more like 40 or 50. 40 surgeries, folks. Can you imagine? I mean, it, it is a crazy amount of work that, that Peyton puts in. You know, it made me think uh, thinking about Peyton just going in, and oftentimes there are these surgeries, and they're removing an appendix. They're removing something. They're, they're, they're fixing something. It made me think about 1 Corinthians 12. Let's look, at verse, let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12, 12. It says this, The body is a unit. Though it is made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. Everybody say one body. body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. Everybody say one. One. It's the one association. It's one life changed. It's one. Look at verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Let's just focus on that for a second. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands because too many hands would go up. Anybody ever felt like you're the weaker vessel in here? Anybody ever felt like you're just completely dispensable in this church body? You and I both know the answer to that. What does the Word of God say for those parts of the body that seem to be weaker? You're indispensable to us. Why do I even care if you're walking around in a victim mentality? Why do I even care personally? Because you're going to allow yourself to feel weaker and therefore remove yourself from the body. What part of your body do you not want to have in operation? We, we take care of the things that are on the outside. There's not much I can do with this one. I'm just for you people who are good looking, right? There's not much. We, we take care of the outside. Anybody ever had a... Need an appendix removed? The pain that goes on there? Never had surgery? What, what part of your body do you not want to have? Come on. Uh, I'll give up my pinky. No, I, I, I intend not to give up things if I can help it. Just like we understand that very much in a natural realm, why don't we understand this in the spiritual realm? Why do we look at ourselves and say, yeah, I'm just weaker, I don't really have a part, I have nothing to contribute? If you're more than conquerors and you're here, don't you think we need you? I'm going to pick on Peyton again. You know what Peyton was not when he first got here? He was not spirit-filled. 
You know what else he was not? He was not a part of the turkey team. Right? We just call him the turkey team now, right? He was not a part of the turkey team. You know what he did? He got up, but pardon the common vernacular, he got up in here, and he made himself absolutely indispensable in every part of our church. He fought for it. He didn't allow, you know, golly, I'm kind of out of season. I got here and the team seems to be formed. I guess there's no place for me. He just went and jumped up in there. And because of his boldness, because he acted like more than a conqueror, you know what it did? It showed that he was rightly entering to something that none of us saw ahead of time. Oh, golly, we didn't see that, but... Huh. You know that we... Now that we see that, God, that is God. Did he make his place? No, I think just his boldness allowed his place to be revealed. Oh. Huh. What about you? You waiting for us to come and beg you to, to us to offer you a, a job? A position? It's not going to happen. You know what we do really respond really well to around here? People being bold. Well, they get to... They went and did... Yeah. Yeah, stop it. If you know that you, are a weaker, you feel like you're a weaker part of this body, I'm telling you, you're indispensable. There may be parts that are seen more that are in, in, on a stage and get a microphone, but that doesn't mean they're any more important to God and to this body than those that seem weaker. It's indispensable. Put, that, put the scripture back up on the screen for me, Joy. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Let's keep reading. Go on to the next verse. While our presentable parts... Can you go back one? I'm sorry. I'll just look in the Word here. I got lost. Verse 22. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. Some of you in here are walking around with greater honor and you don't even know it. You don't even know it because you're looking at all the wrong markers, all the wrong indicators. You're looking at things in the natural and you've totally missed the spiritual principle and you and I have both read this passage plenty of times. Maybe you're walking around with a victim mentality. Let's get free from that. I want to be free from that today, don't you? Because there are no victims here. We cannot walk as victims in this place. Let's look back in Romans chapter 8, and we're going to end it here. Romans chapter 8. We started off in verse 37. I want us to go back to verse 31. Let's go back to verse 31 of Romans 8. Are you there with me? Yes. This will be our, our closing passage of Scripture. And then I'm going to ask Peyton and the worship team here in just a second. We're going to get back and worship. We're going to be right at about an hour of us together. And I want us to worship like a bunch of overcoming conquerors. Amen.
people who are actually more than conquerors, people who can put their own thoughts, their own fears, their own worries, their own victim mentality aside for the truth of the gospel and let it wash over us today. Let us be joyful in this house. Let us be overcoming. Because what I've noticed lately is some of us are just tired. And we're just kind of moping around. And it's not so much a physical tiredness as it is, but Pastor, this has been a, this has been a tough go at it lately. Amen. You're more than a conqueror. You're literally built for this. You've literally been empowered for this. In Romans 8 and verse 31, is what it, here's what it says. What then shall we say in response to this? <laughs> If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also, along with Him, graciously give us all things? There's that goodness that He has again. Graciously giving us all things. Who will bring any charge against those uh, whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who is He that condemns? Christ Jesus who died. More than that, who was raised to life is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. My goodness. You know, what you, you know why you can't be a victim? Because Jesus Christ is interceding for you. Because He's giving you everything you will ever need. He is interceding for us. I should be the one begging Him every second of every day to love me. And He's going, man, I love that guy. Man, I know he needs me, but God, I love him. I love him. I love this church. I love these people. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? What can you have in your life that doesn't be surpassed by what we just read? Is your life actually in danger today? Even if it is. Even if your life were in danger this very second. Can that separate you from the love of God? Can that remove His gifts to you? Can that remove His very presence? None of those things can. No external force can. But we can let it wane if we consider ourselves victims. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. <laughs> there are no victims here. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, there is nothing that can get in the way of us being more than conquerors. Stand to your feet today. <laughs>